Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Family Recovery Projects podcast. Join us every week to hear about our mission, why we do what we do, and how we can help your family navigate through the turbulence of getting treatment for a loved one. Stay tuned. Hi, and thanks for joining us today on the Family Recovery Project podcast. I'm Jacqueline Sazzi. I'm an associate director here at the Family Recovery Project, and I will be your lovely host today. We'll be talking to Frank Salaya, who is really the brains behind the operation. He um, is the director and the idea man. He actually came to me with this idea a few years ago, and um, he and I have been working together on it ever since. So, We are planning on talking about kind of the first step in any family's journey with, um, you know, a loved one or or specifically, you know, what we tend to focus on are children, you know, young people who have may have drug problems. And that first step is always suspicion when when the family member feels that or the parent feels that you know, they're a little bit suspicious of what might be going on. Um, so it, that, that's an interesting part of the process. And it, it typically can create some distance between the parent and the young person. If the parent is suspicious and initially they're, you know, they don't really know what to do with that suspicion and they vacillate between, um, you know, being not wanting their suspicions to be true and and wanting their suspicions to be true. So at least maybe they have some answers. So, so Frank, I see that you have joined us. Hi, Jackie. Hi. Sorry about that. I had a little problem getting connected there for a moment or two. So it's freaking out. No, that's, that's okay. So. That's good old technology for you. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I I was just talking a little bit about suspicion and how that's, you know, the kind of the first step in in most people's journey <laughs> into um, working with a, a young person, a child, you know, that might ha- might have a drug problem. For some people, it's the last step if they are suspicious and they are incorrect, which also sure. happens. But that's where I started. So um, one of the things that made us really want to do this is Frank wrote an article about suspicion and then confirmation that we have put on our blog at www.thefamilyrecoveryproject.com. So if you go to our website and click on blog, you can read that article. Um, And it's, it's a great article and it, it really does a good job of describing the feelings and the process of being suspicious and then getting the confirmation that your child is using. So, um, so you know, and because it really is a first step, that's why we decided to do our, our first podcast that was not, um, you know, introducing one of us to you on, on that first step, you know, the suspicion part of the process. So, so what that leads me to is asking you, Frank, you know, what inspired you to write this article? Well, I, I think it's, Initially, it's the first step that we all go through as uh, parents and loved ones or in any relationship where there's 
uh, some choices that are made that are going to cause that sense of betrayal or lost trust. And, you know, drugs in, in our kids are something that really makes it difficult to, to not be suspicious, you know, you know, in the first place, just because they're going to school and we've got all this uh, clamor in the media and everything else about drugs and all the dangers and all the fears that are out there. So uh, I, I think it's important to kind of get a handle on it at the very beginning because, as you know, in dealing with uh, families and kids later, if we take a kind of a bad step or a misstep, not intentionally, but just because we're fearful, uh, that it changes our trajectory and it's really difficult then to move on to and through another step so that we can start to reconcile that those feelings of lost trust because it really hurts um, in any relationship when somebody does something that is a transgression. And that's basically the way that I looked at it was that, um, you know, my suspicions about my son's use uh, I mean, he was so good, he could just look at me just right in the eye and tell me things, and I wanted to believe him so badly right. that I actually got suspicious of my own ability to be able to be suspicious and, and know the difference between <laughs> what was true and what was false. I mean, I was just, we talked a little bit about this last week, but like, you know, my life was turned upside down, mm-hmm. and I really needed to kind of figure out why was I feeling this way, and it really was because of that the immediacy of, of, at least in my experience, my suspicion and my immediate confirmation. And I had to find a way to kind of deal with it. I need to start looking for some answers to kind of keep us moving forward. Right. So, so what did you, I, you know, one of the things that we have in the, um, the episode notes for this episode that it, you know, it, those of you listening, if you get a chance to read underneath where you clicked on, um, the image with the play in it to listen to the podcast underneath that is um, just like a short synopsis of what the actual article talks about at more length. And you talk about that, that cliche um, and you have it written very eloquently here. The way I always heard it was that trust is a win-win. And if you trust someone, you get to feel good about trusting, right? Whether they, you know, whether they turn, it turns out that they were lying to you or not, um, you still get to feel like the good person because you trusted. And, you know, I think in theory, that makes a lot of sense. But I think when you bring something like that into your living room, it's, it's not that black and white. So yeah, the cliche, the, the cliche that I quoted was that, that uh, you know, we all, we all want to be trusting and trusting our own decisions, and then we leave it up to other people to prove us right. Right. And when we give them that room to do that out of love or out of respect or whatever our, our motivation is, uh, and this w- within the context of our conversation of what our children are going to choose to do, um, it, it really does make it difficult because they're proving us wrong about right. <laughs> our feelings about or, 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 Maybe not just feelings, but our understanding of what our relationship was mm-hmm. uh, before this transgression happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I say, I mean, I, I mean, I, I remember the day, uh, Jackie, that I was holding a pipe and some, you know, pot and some other stuff in my hand in my son's bedroom, and I said, you know, whose is this, and what in the world is going on here? Oh, it's the it's the my my good friends across the street. I'm holding it for him because he didn't want his mom to catch him. <laughs> and right. At, and at that and you're moment, the cool dad. 
Yeah, and I was at that moment I had okay, what am I gonna do here? Right. Am I gonna press am I gonna press and say, Look, you know, I'm I'm I've got enough life experience to know and I'm gonna ask you to please be honest with me. And I think for the be- the the best of my ability I try to do that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, there was no way that I was really prepared to make him acknowledge what his actions were, get him to be honest, you know, not to withhold information, because he was the kid with his hand in a cookie jar. Right. And that's probably the way that I was looking at him. I, I wasn't really looking at him in a way to say, come on, you know, we're going to talk about this and we're going to have a really substantive, honest conversation about what is going on here, because I was afraid of what I might find out. Right. Um, and he was more subconscious at that moment, you know, looking back now. I, I didn't want to fight with my kid. I just wanted to know that he was going to be okay. Right. And that maybe just the scare of him getting caught was enough. Mm-hmm. And six years later, and reflecting on it after, you know, lots of treatment, I knew that that was the wrong move to make at that moment. Because right. I didn't go out and find anything to help me within the next short amount of time to be able to correct that mistake that I made, and you know, from day one. Yeah, well, yeah. And, you know, that brings up a very interesting dynamic in all of this that I think, again, is really, it's, you know, it's interesting because this is where um, the humanness of parents comes into play, right? Because you're, you know, when your kids are little, you're like superheroes to them, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, and it's, 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 you may have some tough decisions to make early on about, you know, how you're going to raise your kids and what you're going to do with them as babies, you know, are we going to co-sleep or are we going to let them cry it out? And there's all this information out there about both sides and, you know, things like that. But for the most part, you know, you end up feeling like, okay, I've made the right decision based on, you know, how I feel. And you've got all these people who you can pull on their experience. But when it comes to this, this kind of thing, you know, if your kid's using drugs or not, you don't just know a couple of people in the neighborhood who've been through that and who are open about it. <laughs> you know, you can't just go, oh, yeah, let me call the Homeowners Association group and talk to people in my neighborhood and see if anybody can, you know, chime in on this, you know, um, or my, you know, my Facebook group that's for parents who are worried their kids might do drugs one day. Like, those things don't exist. And you, you kind of hit this wall where, all of a sudden you realize that you're very human and you're very vulnerable and your kids realize that too. You know, it's kind of this transition period for everybody, but, um, but anyway, what, what I was really thinking about with that is, you know, how get there and you, you really want it to be like, okay, it was this one time and I'm going to tell my child, this is unacceptable and they cannot do this. And it's, and if they ask why it's because I said so, and because obviously it's bad for you. And, and then like, we'll be, you know, like we'll be past this, you know, nobody thinks at that point, like, God, this could be a 10 year process, <laughs> you know, right. because who wants right. to, you know, who's, who, who wants to sit down and go, we need to sit down and be emotionally and financially prepared for possibly 10 years of dealing with our kids drug problem. They don't. You know, and and I and I don't think a lot of um, people out there in the world are are telling parents this that you know what this might be the first step of a million steps for right. you in this process and and I get it I get why that doesn't happen because because you are dealing with you know a very scared parent 
um, who's dealing with their own stuff on top of now, you know, their child might, like you said, might not be okay. And they just want their child to be okay. Um, but I think that's, you know, kind of bringing it back around to what we hope to offer is we do hope to offer some of that reality for people, you know, and in a very gentle, compassionate way, but to be able to say, you know, here's some of the things you may need to be prepared for, because ultimately, it's going to make the process a lot easier. You know, it's going to, right, it's going to make a very uncomfortable process, <laughs> maybe a little bit less easy, a, a little bit easier to deal with. Yeah, because what happens to us as parents is we start to get into, you know, this process of what I call creep, where everything that we've ever, that we ever did in our lives together, um, everything that I thought that I might have been modeling, everything that I thought that I was clearly articulating to him in terms of what our values were as a family, um, I started to wonder, I mean, one way or another, I must not have done a good enough job of doing that. (laughs) <laughs> and so we, you know, at that moment and that that moment of suspicion and confirmation, a lot of us take on the responsibility and accountability for our kids' actions. In which, as you know, in being a treatment specialist or provider, is not the best place for a parent to be because it gives our kid an out. Right. Um, you know, you know, it's really about, you know, did I, did I. You know, it would have been easy enough, and looking back now, because it's always 2020, and said, hey, son, is was I clear about, you know, you, and I know that I was clear now, but then I wasn't because he could sense my confusion. Um, and not that he was intentionally taking advantage of it, but he was going to take whatever inch I was going to give him at that at that moment. Right. And I gave him a lot of it. I, I gave him a lot of it. I mean, you know, I thought in my mind, well, I'm going to take this and throw it away. And, I'm, you know, I may ask you to, you know, I may search your room, I may do this, but, you know, being a policeman in your own home is not the answer. Right. Uh, you know, it, it ends up being a matter of, you know, re- repairing that part of that relationship that got violated in one way or another. And it, and it usually takes help. Um, right. I, you know, it, it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't, you know, want to say, you, well, here, read this book. Or here, we're going to send you a ten-page guide, and once you do this, you're going to have all the answers that you need. Right. It's just way, way more complex than that. This thing yeah. it shifts. It's a. We talk about a lot about it being like you're like you're on an ice rink. Um, you're just you're, you're sliding from one side to the other. Right. Um, and sometimes you go backwards. So it's important for us to be able to communicate to everybody that's in a situation that your first step is really, really important. Um, it's okay if you make a mistake. It's just understanding that from that moment forward, you're not going to allow yourself to go back to that same position. Right. And it's not always your 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 child's friend's fault. It's not their stash. Uh, it's just the quickest thing that they can think of to have in their mind. And they're going to test your loyalty to them and your ability to be able to trust in them to see if you actually believe that or not. Right. Um, I can't really honestly tell you, Jackie, that I truly believed him, but I sure wanted to, and I let him off the hook. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I, yeah. And I, but, I, I mean, I thought, well, I'm still going to get stricter with him, but, you know, guess right. what? That Friday, <laughs> he was still going out with his friends. He was going to the movies, um, you know, because it was one of those things that just didn't make any sense to me. Right. Um, he, he was busted. I knew him, and I thought, okay, he, he's learned his lesson now. 
Right. And as you know, uh, 8 to 10% of that population, you know, that uh, adolescent, young adult, uh, they're, they're going to move on. Right. And it's just my luck and others that might be listening up to us today that they might be in that percentage group. I mean, you know, I would hope and pray that they're not. Um, but we, we do have uh, 9 million families right now that are, that are, that are facing this every day. Right. So yeah, this is just, that's what I keep going back to is 9 million families. I mean, treatment is a billion dollar industry. It is about time we started talking about this stuff. Honestly, it is time because what we're doing is not helping, you know, trying to sell to a parent that, you know, we're going to, you know, get your kid into a pretty little package and they're going to be all better. And um, this could just be a phase, like for all of that to still be somehow socially, like part of the conversation about this is just, it's damaging. It's not helping anyone, you know, and I, and I do think it is, it is time. And I, I think we share this passion. It's time to get honest with people about, you know, what, what they're looking at and what they're dealing well, with. And for the longest time, too, Jackie, I thought it was me. I really did. Right, you know, right. Now I had failed not only in recognizing, you know, some of the signs that are there. And there's plenty of, I mean, there's, a, you know, 10,000 websites if there's one that have lists on them for look for these 10 things that are happening in your child's life so that you can do this. And they typically right. end up referring to, you know, a status quo position somewhere else. Um, but I really did start to doubt who I was as a, as a father and what I had done in my life. Right. You know, I started thinking weird things like, oh, I should have never let him quit playing Little League, and I shouldn't have let him do this and do that. And all it is is a distraction. And <laughs> Little if your child, if Well, I'm just saying that as an example, but if, if, if my son was smart enough to know that if, I, if he could keep me distracted right. and keep me off balance, he could yeah. keep getting high. Well, no, I'm I'm and, only laughing because that's such. I mean, and I I know. I mean, I I I know parents who went to those very same places. I shouldn't have let her quit cheerleading. <laughs> you know, like that was that was what did it. And and it's and I I I can I can really understand how you can you can hone in on those things. You know, and go and 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 you're trying to figure out like what happened, where did it start? Because ultimately, what you want to find is so. How do I make it stop? You know, what do I need to do? You know, do we need to, do we need to find another baseball team to get him on? You know, <laughs> like what can we do? And that's right. why we have to have these conversations because people, you know, so that parents know, no, it has nothing to do with anything other than your kid is a teenager and, you know, this is something that makes him feel older and in control and a little bit dangerous. And that is the essence of being a teenager. Right. So. Um, and then, and then I started. I, you know, my my mind then started as I started to look for help and look for information. Uh, the fear, the fear messages that are out there are just absolutely they're 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 mind boggling, and they just put you in a position where you really don't know, you know, you know, up from down, right? Um, because you know, you, we hear that that traditional, you know, what, what, what I call that tripod of fear, you know, well, sure glad you got here today because your kid was going to end up either dead, you know, on the streets or institutionalized. Right. And, yeah, you know, when, you know and, and it's like, oh, my gosh, you know, I got here just right. in time. 
Um, but, but they weren't really, but they weren't being honest about really the probability of that happening. I mean, even one child, losing one child to this, you know, a disease or, you know, a condition or, 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 or disorder, however you, you look at it and how you frame your reference to what's going on in our kids' lives and, and then right. in adult lives. Too. The 9 million that we're talking about, by the way, is only kids 25 and under. Right, um, right. There's, you know, there's, uh, you know, Not 24 people older than right. 25. Right. There's, there's 15 million other people and other families that are out there that are struggling that are over the age of 25. But, you know, I, it really wasn't until I started to really have to kind of dig and make the people that were writing these reports accountable. Um, they're, they're really, it's, it's really less than one tenth of one percent of our kids that end up in, in the worst of possible situations. But it's still too many. Right, um, right, absolutely. You know, we, you and I have both been on hospital floors and working with families where, uh, you know, they're making that final fatal, dis- you know, decision to have to turn machines off, you yep. know, one last time. Yep, um, and then to so, too many funerals. Right, and, and we so we know that's the re- that reality-wise that's out there. Yeah. But when you jump from just being having that that suspicion and confirmation. To in a week talking to somebody about your kid either dying, ending up on the streets, or institutionalized, that's a lot of ground to cover. Right. There's a lot. There is a left gray out. area. <laughs> right. Know, I don't know right. if, if you've had if you've had any examples of anything that, you know, if the, the drug test, testing thing is something that's really big right now. There's websites that sell drug tests, um, and they're you know if you if you search for them you know the way that the, the analytics work now for help the teenage using drugs and that kind of stuff you end up where they're actually wanting to sell you a drug test kit right and right. Um, we've talked about this before and i'd like to give you kind of a lead in and, and kind of share some of your experience with this why sometimes they work and sometimes they do but it just depends on the circumstance oh yeah well i mean i I wouldn't even go so far as to say sometimes they work. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know, if, if a, if a kid is getting high and they have access to the internet and they know they're going to get drug tested, I mean, they can get around them every time. Now I think sometimes, you know, if it's, if it's a surprise drug test and the parent has gone in and, you know, pulled everything out of the bathroom possible you know even things you think they couldn't use to dilute their urine they still can you know um, unless right. you're going and having a professional drug test done um, I don't think I, I, I don't think it's worth the time and you know so I, I think there's two two directions we can go in with that one um, which is you know if you're at the point of being so suspicious that your child is using that you're giving them drug tests um, what you've probably, what's probably already terrified you that you may or may not have admitted is that there's been that much of a disconnect between you and your child, um, that you are suspicious that they're using drugs because you feel so disconnected and confused and, you know, unsure of what's going on with them. You know, this, this kid that, you know, you used to have these long talks with and you used to read books to at night before they went to bed and, now all of a sudden you're not talking, your ship's passing in the night, um, their grades are not good, you're getting calls from the teachers, maybe they've been arrested or maybe they've gotten in trouble at school, whatever it is, there is a disconnect. Like there is, you know, you, 
for whatever reason, you know, you and your child are not talking. And, and I, you know, I think one of the things that I feel the most passionate about and, and, and a lot of why, you know, why we've called what we're doing the family recovery project is because regardless, we, you know, what, what we hope to help families accomplish is um, recovery in a way. And, and what we mean by that is the families can be together, you know, that it's, it's not a war zone in your home and you're not walking around wondering what's going on and, and you're getting all of these messages from everywhere. A lot of them, like you said, laced with fear so much so that you don't feel like you can trust your intuition and you can trust what you know about your child. And one of the examples that I I shared the story with you earlier was um, I was called in by, I can't remember who asked me, it was one of those, like a friend of a friend knew that I had worked, you know, in the treatment field. And she called and asked me to talk to a friend of her daughter who was like 13 or 14 years old. And they were all suspicious that she was, you know, using drugs. And so, you know, I, I went and spent some time with her and she, you know, and we just kind of, you know, talked and she opened up to me and told me she was using all these drugs. And I mean, she knew details and, you know, stuff about, um, you know, how you feel when you're on certain drugs that, sounded very legitimate. And I walked away from the situation um, believing that this child was heavily using drugs. And her mother was saying, no, no, no. I know my child. Everything in me is saying she's lying and she's not really using these drugs. And, and, you know, myself and the the person who asked me, who pulled me into the situation, we were like, why does she think her daughter would lie about like, like her daughter's getting, this is going to get her daughter in trouble. Like why does she think her daughter would say and over exaggerate this much that she would be getting high, you know, because most kids will, you know, if they think they're busted, they'll give a little bit, you know, and they'll, they'll, they'll under, they'll downplay it, but they'll give you a little bit just because they know you already know. And, um, and I was, you know, I was dead set on like, well, she's lying to you, obviously, you know, she's telling you she's not using it's because she wants to keep using and she doesn't want you to stop her. And so the mom ended up giving her having a hair test done. And if you don't know anything about hair tests, um, they, they give you basically like the last 10 years of anything that's been in your system, they can go that far back. And, and this girl had long hair. So they, they were able to get a lot of information and she was totally clean never used a drug, never drank in her entire life. And I was shocked, you know, um, and her, but her mother was not. Now we did discuss that there was something going on, <laughs> you know, because for a 13 year old to um, have done that much research and know that much about certain drugs and how they affect you, um, there was something going on there obviously and that her mother probably needed to seek some kind of help for her, but she did not at that time need drug treatment. You know, like that's, that's what came out of that. And I'm really glad because otherwise this girl who obviously has some kind of interest in (laughs) drugs and the, the effects they have on people would have been exposed to a world of people where she might've actually started using, you know, and, and because her mother really listened to her intuition and really went, no, I know my daughter. And because she did lean on other people and she, she did openly ask for help and she was 
really discussing things with people who knew her and knew her daughter and everybody that knew this girl was going, there's no way she's using drugs. Um, and because that mother really listened to herself and to her intuition, she was able to probably save herself, you know, years and years of heartache and lots of money. So um, we are quickly running out of time. Uh, I do think we've opened up a can of worms here. And um, I know one of the things, Frank, that you really wanted to discuss was what to do. <laughs> you know, we don't want to just leave right. people with, you know, this is how bad it is, when, you know, expect your child is using. Um, so we will do a part two next week and we'll get into a little bit more of, you know, maybe what you can do if you do suspect that your child is using and, and then if you get that confirmation, you know, kind of where to go from there. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a start of sometimes a long journey for people, as we know, Uh, for others that are lucky, it's still not easy, Uh, but it's, it's at this point, I think it's just best to, you know, to talk about being patient and, you know, working to listen to reestablish and, and, and regain that integrity that you have in your relationship that's going to be so important to yeah. maintaining good, a good, healthy family. Yeah. Um, there's a lot a lot more, that obviously, that we need to talk about um, with respect to this issue. Um, there'll be a lot more on the website, um, you know, yeah. videos and, and webinars and things that we're presenting in the future, but... For now, uh, you know, as I say, it's just it, it's the first step. It's an important one, um, and just caution, you know, parents to just relax a little bit and you know look for the information that's going to help keep them whole and keep them healthy. Yep, absolutely. So you can go read the full article at thefamilyrecoveryproject.com, and we will be ne- back next week, six thirty Eastern time, three thirty Pacific time, on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us.